Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. I have my comrade in spirits with me here tonight, the one and only Stephanie Aguilar. Hi guys. Yes, come on, come on, co-curator of the Whiskey Society here at Seven Grand and also manager of the Bar Jackalope, our little sipping library located in the back room here at Seven Grand in downtown Los Angeles. Stephanie just, and Stephanie and I just went out to Kentucky this last week. It was my first time. Buying single barrels of bourbon. It was her first time in Kentucky and her first time. Oh, no, you, you, I picked bought, out a single yeah, barrel you bought a single barrel from Yeah, Hudson. I was in, um, in New York uh, in August of last year and I picked out a uh, 100% rye. But upstate New York is not bourbon country, it, it baby. It is not bourbon country at all. I did have a great time in New York, but Kentucky was something else. It was, it was gorgeous. I had a really great time. It was. I can't believe that it's taken me so long um, after working here for five years to finally go to Kentucky and see all these legendary distilleries and you know see these places that I've been talking about for so long to people for so many years. So it was great to kind of just like make that direct line and I can't wait to go back. Yes. So we buy more single barrels of bourbon here at Seven Grand than any other bar on the West Coast. Now, if you can't really wrap your head around what I'm trying to say here, single barrel bourbons or single barrel whiskeys are different from their kind of entry level counterparts. Say, each different barrel has its own personality. So, you know, when you talk about Maker's Mark, for instance, those guys are batching, you know, 50 to 100 barrels for each bottling. But if you buy a single barrel of Maker's Mark, they're going to give you the contents of just one barrel. And you can put the same distillate in very similar barrels right next to each other in the same rack house and six or seven years later they can turn out completely different from one another and that's just the romance of the rack house that's the mysterious process that even the master blenders have no precise idea of how it works they can kind of guess their schematics as they go through and create their different expressions every day kind of pulling barrels from different places in the rack houses but when it comes to a single barrel it's this endless pursuit of that honey barrel, the one barrel that's going to be very, very different from any of its brothers and sisters in the rack house, something that's exemplary and mind-blowing. Yeah, uh, the way that I always like to explain it here at Bar Jackalope to people, it's just um, it's different from their flagship products because, as Pedro said, you know, a lot of these barrels are ultimately ble- being blended into a consistent product, but these barrels are unicorn barrels that sometimes can't be blended into that consistent product because it's just too unique and it's not necessarily because the juice is bad it's always fucking delicious every single time (laughs) it's just something that the master blender won't necessarily want to use for that blend for various reasons and we're lucky enough to go seek those out and bottle them for you and for the masses here in los angeles to try yeah it's an amazing thing because we can you know, as a reward to our bartenders and our barbacks who are down here busting their butts all the time, we send them out to Kentucky, we send them out to Tennessee or wherever we happen to be buying the barrels from, and they get to help choose essentially their own whiskey. So they have a sense of ownership. They return to Los Angeles and they'll be like, oh, my barrel just came in. I helped select it. Now, they didn't make the whiskey, but they were able to help create that flavor profile just through selection that's something that's unique to our bars and they can claim it as kind of 
they had some influence over it Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we're trying to accomplish here for a lot of our employees is that they have a better understanding of their palates. So you get like a bunch of different samples in front of you, but there's always that really wonderful moment when you guys get to like, say, number four. And you take that sip and you look across the room at your coworker that you've been woke, working with for like four years and you're like nodding and you're like, yep, we're on the same page. We've come across this journey of, you know, understanding our palates together. And when you find that honey barrel, you know exactly which one it is. Yeah, we took, you and I came from LA, but we had bartenders from San Diego, Seven Grand, our Austin location, and then Seven Grand in Denver. So we had nine bartenders total yes. out there. Yep. It San was, Diego, Austin, and Denver, yeah. So getting all those heads together and sampling, going out to the rack houses, pulling from each of these bottles straight samples, unadulterated by water, and then straight deciding the as a group, <laughs> yeah, straight off the whiskey thief. Um, it was an, It's always an amazing experience, but um, we'll get into it a little bit tonight. One of the reasons I wanted to do this tasting was to explain what the value is in single barrels because to me it's the best bargain in the whiskey world so in europe you know we talk about irish whiskey scotch whiskey japanese whiskey other kinds of whiskey a lot of times we're talking about the grass like the base agricultural product that's what whiskey is known for the identity of that grain and in america it's a little different what you really come across when you talk about bourbons and rice is barrel influence, that charred oak barrel that's being used for the first time. So the rest of the world is kind of into that grass. Here in America, we kind of go for these really super oaky, robust punchy, flavor profiles. Yeah, and, and the rest of the world doesn't necessarily dig that as much. We have kind of a very adventuresome palates here. But when you talk about single barrel bourbons, that's the most contact of oak in terms of surface area of charred oak to whiskey that you're going to get in any kind of whiskey. It's going to have the most pronounced barrel influence of any kind of whiskey out there on the market. So what I did is I grabbed some entry-level expressions of a few different whiskeys and then our seven grand single barrels to compare them side to side to kind of get an idea of what happens when you go and sample these single barrels? While we start to pour that, could you guys sort of walk us through what your experience in Kentucky was? Like, I know I've never gotten to go pick a single barrel before. I'm guessing most of our listeners have never gotten to pick a single barrel. Could you talk about what steps you actually got to go through, how they brought you in, what they showed you to sort of allow you to pick what you ultimately came home with? Yeah, I mean, I can probably say this very confidently. We have the biggest single barrel program in the state, in in the state of California, no Mm -hmm. doubt about that. So we have these established and really wonderful relationships with different distilleries. So when you're going to pick out those single barrels like we have for so many years, they um, they do accommodate us in certain ways. Um, it depends on what, what the distiller you're working with is, but I know when I went out to the Hudson, um, in New York, they were, they included everything for us. They flew us out, they put us up, um, they, you know, accommodated our travel going from where our hotel was to the distillery. Um, when we went to Kentucky, the distilleries were responsible for transporting us for sure. So they would pick us up at the Airbnb that we were staying at and take us to the distillery. Um, so that's like kind of the first step there. The, the the distillery is very accommodating to, you know, the fact that we're going to buy these single barrels and, you know, keep giving them love and keep pouring their juice. Um, so they pick us up pretty early in the morning. Um, we go to the distillery. 
Um, we either meet, well, I mean, when we were lucky enough, when we went to Four Roses to meet Al Young, and that was incredible that we weren't expecting that. But um, sometimes whoever is kind of in charge there, not usually the master distiller, but, you know, someone who's very, um, you know, well-seasoned in giving tours and doing the single barrel programs will run us through um, different samples. When we went to Four Roses this time around, they gave us eight when we went to a uh, wild turkey, it was kind of more of a fast and loose thing. It was really cool. He's like, he came in and he's like, well, I got like six for you to try, but we ended up trying like 11. <laughs> it was awesome. So it depends on who's giving you the tour that day. But uh, most of the time they'll give you the samples like to try either um, that they've already pulled um, and they're ready to go like in little jars for you or they're pulling it straight from the whiskey thief and pouring it for you in the glasses. A whiskey thief, if you can't imagine what that is, it's it's a long copper cylinder that kind of looks like a sword, a, a rounded sword. Then it's got a hole in one end and a hole in the other. And it's kind of like that little game you play where you stick your finger over the end of the straw and you can pull some liquid out of your glass. It's the same. They use this, they drop this copper tube into the whiskey barrel, put their thumb over the hole on the base of it and pull it out. And then when they release their thumb, it pours out little tasters of whiskey for yeah, everyone it's who's in attendance. a big fancy copper straw for barrels. <laughs> <laughs> so in some cases, it sounds like you were in a little bit of a controlled environment, mm -hmm. you know, a nice, well-lit, air-conditioned room. Facility, but yeah. In and other cases, you You're actually... in the rack house. Ooh. Yeah, so when we went to Wild Turkey, we were just walking through the rack house, and that was really fun. Um, he was just walking around with a whiskey thief in his hand and a hammer, and, uh, you know, whenever we approached the ones that, you know, we, he wanted us to try, he would just, you know, take the hammer on each side of the bunghole to release it. Um, it'll pop out pretty much or loosen up. He'll take it off and dip the whiskey thief in there. We already have glasses in our hands and a couple water bottles and we just reach out and he pours it for us. And then we all collectively kind of just nod and go, fuck yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> collectively for like an hour, just nodding our heads in dissatisfaction that we gotta do this for a living. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. And then you just it out right on the floor so that yeah, you don't... Yeah, you can. I mean... Or you can get really drunk at 9.30 in the morning. Or that. It's yeah, absolutely. Easy. It's very, very easy. I mean... Even if you spit, it's so high proof. It soaks into the skin in your mouth. Like yeah. when we did the Four Roses, most of those barrel samples were up above like 120 proof. Mm -hmm. So even if you start spitting, it's absorbing it's into absorbing, your bloodstream. Yeah. You feel it, you know. I was... I... I've been drinking for a long time professionally. <laughs> so I was like, if I'm going to Kentucky, I got to be careful because I'm going to want to swallow every bit of bourbon that I try. So I did practice some self-control, you know, um, just wanted to make sure that I didn't wake up hungover every single day. But I enjoyed everything and I tried everything that I could. I just I swallowed my absolute favorites. It's just mm -hmm. like there's no way that I can dump this right now. Yep. Yeah, but uh, I did my best. Well, right on. So I grabbed a couple bottles here. The first thing that we're going to taste is the Old Forester. They're just white label base expression, which is bottled at 86 proof. So not even 90 proof, very easy sipping bourbon here. And then the second taste is going to be the seven grand single barrel of Old Forester. And I believe, what number is this? What does it say on the little label here? This one's 90 proof, I believe. What does that say right there? Uh, it's Floor 3, Warehouse 1. Floor 3, Warehouse 1. And this is, yeah, bottled at... 
This one's bottled 90 at ninety proof. proof. So they did water down a proof. They did, for yeah. Us so this, this is one. definitely still going to be a sipping whiskey for sure. Um, here at Seven Grand and Bar Jackalope, something super approachable, not something that's completely overoaked. But I actually haven't had the the normal Old Forester in a really long time. <laughs> yeah, so this would be cool. This will give us an idea of how those, even though it's exactly the same distillate going into those barrels, the difference when you take a batch, which could be 30 barrels, 50 barrels, who knows how many barrels go into it, a, a barreling batch over at Old Forester. We're going to compare it right next to that single barrel expression. First drink of the day. <laughs> and if it's not your first drink of the day, that's okay too. So I get like there's this, I'm just smelling the, the Old Forester 86 now, and I get like, you know, raspberry, deep oak. It's got a beautiful leathery coffee, dark char to it. It's, yeah, it's got like cocoa nibs, really, really soft leather. It's nice, and it's got some nice little floral aspect, but it's got an astringency to mm-hmm. it, you know? You definitely smell the alcohol in, in, in the bourbon here. Now, tap some over your tongue. How's that experience change? Oh, easy coating. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like a warm blanket on my tongue. Nothing overwhelming, though. It's very, very easy to drink. Um, the linger isn't hot at all. Um, it's very smooth, as people would say. Mm-hmm. But it's like a very, very light, very light texture. Nothing, nothing harsh. When I talk about bourbon and like really hot bourbons, I often compare it to um, like a blooming onion. You get that bourbon bloom where it just kind of just completely blooms in your mouth and blooms in your chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not what you get off of this. No, it's really milk, chocolate, caramel. Yeah. I'm getting some like blackberries. Milk, d- milk duds for sure. Definitely a nice, mm-hmm. easy sipping bourbon. So now let's taste her right next to that 90 proof seven grand single barrel of the Old Forester. How does that? I mean, just on this, you just get a, just way more oak and astringency for sure. And it's just well, that little difference too. That, mm-hmm. that I'm not just getting astringency. I get the chocolate comes through really, really yeah. evident right at the front of the nose, like dark chocolate, right? And you mm-hmm. like that cacao nib thing that you were getting is mm-hmm. it's really even more pronounced. Yeah, it's much bolder and yes. it's fruitier. The thing that really this specific bottle to me, this single barrel that we picked, it's way fruitier than most of the old foresters that I've I've tasted and I'm getting that like blackberry dark fruit in the 86 proof but here I'm getting like just a massive fruity explosion going on so it's raspberries blackberries blueberries all kinds of fruit going on in here I'm getting way more way more of the oak on this one as well mm-hmm. uh, it's much more drying on the palate than the first one is a lot more coconut on this and cinnamon is spicier mm-hmm. yeah yeah, for sure. This one, I'm getting a little bit of that bloom in my chest with this one for sure. Not mm-hmm. so much the first at all. Raspberry syrup, mm-hmm. dark chocolate. It is really, yeah, I know why we bought that single barrel. That is really beautiful whiskey. And I mean, obviously, unless people are in California, Texas, or Colorado, they probably won't get to try the single barrel, but they can go to their local mom and pop liquor store and get the old Forester. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much it'll run them roughly? Under under thirty five dollars yes. for that old Forester. It's a beautiful it's a bargain. bargain, total bargain. And even our single barrels, not that much more than that. No. In fact, that's why I love these. Is a tasting portion here in the Bar Jackalopes. I think six dollars. It's six our cheapest bucks. pour. Yeah, and it's really super robust, up in your face. It has a lot to offer. Now. Each different single barrel is going to have its own character, but that's the the wonderful thing about whiskey is that everyone can have their own favorites, and there's no wrong answers. There's 
some whiskey for everyone. People come in here every single night. You talk to people every yeah, night. They're absolutely. like, I'm not a whiskey drinker. Okay, well, here, <laughs> let me... We do tasting flights back here in the Bar Jack Club, so we try and to we like, do, draw people into that world. we also convert people. Oh, definitely. <laughs> We're converting people on the daily. I had this, um, I had this uh, brother and sister come in with her mother on, on Saturday night, and they're like, my mom does not drink whiskey. And she started off with a... The Toki Highball, you know, very approachable, very easy. We're like, we're going to warm you up there. By the end of the yeah, super nice, super easy. And by the end of the night, she ended up buying two full pours of two different whiskeys that I had recommended her, and she was loving it. She's just like, I had no idea that I could enjoy whiskey this way. You taught me so much. I'm coming back next week. That's beautiful. <laughs> and then like the brother and sister just hugged me. They're like, oh my God, thank you. Now we can go out and drink whiskey with our mother. That is rad. <laughs> Stephanie Aguilar bringing families together since 2014. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the next bottle that I grabbed was a really underappreciated whiskey in my opinion, this is a bourbon that's made in Wyoming, the Wyoming Whiskey Company. A weeded bourbon. Mm-hmm. Small batch, weeded bourbon. And uh, can you talk for a second, like, what's the difference between a weeded bourbon and a traditional mash bill? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, it's legally, I mean, bourbon is one of the most highly regulated categories in the entire world. Um, they're very, very strict on what a bourbon can or cannot be. Um, so legally, it has to be 51% or more corn, but that other 49% is essentially the way for a master distiller to put his thumbprint on that whiskey. You can use a wide array of different things. Most of the time, bourbon makers are using a little bit of rye and some uh, some malted barley, but you can use anything you want as long as it's 51% or more corn. You can use wheat. You can use rye. I know there's Koval in Chicago that makes a style that has a little bit of quinoa on it. So you can really, if you can, if you can ferment it and add it to your 50, at least 51% corn mash bill, it can be considered bourbon as long as it follows the regulations of being aged in new charred American oak barrels as well. Yeah, and if you want to get really nitpicky, and you know, if we're talking about Kentucky straight bourbon, well, then it has to be made in Kentucky. But yeah. if it's just straight bourbon. It does not have to be made in Kentucky. You yep. can make it anywhere. So this is bourbon, a weeded bourbon made in Wyoming. And we're going to get into it right now. All right. So let's check out that first expression, just the base expression, Wyoming whiskey, beautiful weeded bourbon from the state of Wyoming. What are you getting on the nose? I mean, that wheat really comes across in a strong way. Like, uh, it, it's almost like, you know, when you have whole wheat bread and you open the bag for the first time. It's definitely what it smells like. Yeah. And, you know, and some, of your, grassy, favorite, some of your favorite bourbons are using that winter wheat. You know, you're thinking about your Buffalo Trace antique collection stuff, all that stuff from Buffalo Trace. They're using winter wheat for it. It's a classic. It's, I mean, it's a classic desire to want to use wheat in your bourbons because it just mellows it out beautifully and it gives these beautiful, like, yeah, like those croissant notes, mm-hmm. like really rounded out flavors, nothing that's like too harsh. If you want something a little bit more floral, go for something high rye. But wheat, if I'm trying to turn someone on into bourbon, I usually try to pour them a weeded bourbon because it's going to be a little bit not sweeter, like o- overwhelmingly sweet, but there is something a little bit sweeter about it than I would consider any and like any Just other bourbon. It's not bourbons. as spicy. Yeah. It's, it's like you can compare wheat bread to rye bread. Mm-hmm. Well, wheat bread's like savory. You get those like honey, grassy mm-hmm. notes. Mm-hmm. When you talk about rye, like some kids, 
you hand a little kid a piece of rye bread, sometimes they're not into it because yeah. it's kind of got a sourness to it. It's, and we, in the whiskey, it comes across as like spicy notes, sometimes even pickly notes. Um, it can be cinnamon. It can be mint. It can be – but those are pretty intense kind of hot flavor notes. So let's let's get into this um, the single barrel of Wyoming that we chose here at Seven Grand. Ooh. This one's – it jumps right up. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a pickle note right off the top. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's just because I said pickles. <laughs> it's because it's Rosh Hashanah. Is that why we're, is we still smell like pickles? Pickles on Rosh Hashanah. It's you apples don't? and honey. Oh. I was on the west side earlier, and I was like, I'm going to get some pastrami, and I'm oh. like, fuck, everything was closed. Everything's closed. <laughs> everything was closed, and I was like, damn it. The one day that I go to the west side, <laughs> the day after. I'm going to take you to Langer's. <laughs> we're going to be okay, I promise. <laughs> I can walk to Langer's. Not today. Like, not today. Not today. Not today. Not today. Yeah, this one's just so much more robust. It's just like right in your face, but not in an overwhelming way. It's, it's like when the when the cute person at the bar is in your face in the best way possible. Mm. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's definitely got that oaky grip. It is, mm-hmm. It's drying even on the nose. It's got mm-hmm. so much oak on it that like mm-hmm. it kind of dries up your senses a, bit, a little bit there. But it's earthy. It I get earthy. like, you know, this nice like... Is that cast strength as well? This one's at 112, 113, I believe. And it's got this cool floral thing going mm, on in there that I don't thing. get in the base expression. Mm-hmm. I get in that one. I get that weedy grassiness, mm-hmm. but I don't get this like floral note. No, this thing's I'm got definitely like getting floral notes on this as well. It's got some kind of crazy bubblegum thing, which I I equate bubblegum to being a floral note, <laughs> yeah, even though you absolutely. don't think of bubblegum as being a flower. And you think about it, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it, but it is kind of a floral. Mm-hmm. I think we should stress, it's very sweet. Like, you know, we're talking about, you know, a lot of other notes, but I'm getting a ton of sweetness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Something like this in an old-fashioned or just over ice is just ridiculously easy to drink. Um, I love this single barrel. I poured a lot for my, I poured a lot for the guests here at Bar Jackalope, and I've sold plenty of bottles of it, you know. And, you know, my favorite kind of thing to do um, back here is do blind flights for people because a lot of the time people are romanced by labels or turned off by labels. And they have is, a preconceived notion. It's like, oh, Jack Daniels? Yeah. That's bullshit. I'm not going to drink Jack Daniels. Exactly. Or it's like, well, why do you think they sell a million billion bottles? Mm-hmm. Because they suck? No, clearly they don't suck. They don't suck, yeah. And that's like the perfect segue that I wanted to make with this. Like, I often do my flights blind here when it comes to the single barrels because people are like, oh, I've had Old Forester. I've had Jack Daniels. I've had Wyoming. I've had Maker's Mark. And they're like, why are you pouring me this? And I'm like, because I guarantee you 100% you have never tried Jack Daniels like this. You have never tried Maker's Mark like this. So I, I learned very quickly that if I wanted to pour someone the Jack Daniels single barrel in our bar, I just, hand it, I just hand them the glass. I don't tell them what it is. And I let the whiskey speak for itself. And I just had that same, that mother that I was telling you about over the weekend that came in. I gave her Maker's Mark, but I made the mistake of not doing it blind. I put it right on the cart for her. And she's like, why did you serve me Maker's Mark? Mm. And I'm like, I'm telling you, girl. And I was like, please (laughs) trust me. Please trust me. And she's like, this was incredible. You're right. This is not like any other Maker's Mark that I've ever had in my life. Um, So it just goes to show you that 
you know, just as we were saying before, the rack house romance, you know, there's just so many different things that can go on in there. Um, the, you know, the flux in temperature, you can lay down the, ser- the same barrel, uh, two barrels at the exact same time in different places, and they're going to be wildly different at the end of four, five, six years. That's awesome. And I think, Pedro, you've actually mentioned when we had Wyoming in here that you've poured Wyoming for people when they've asked for Pappy. Is that something I heard correctly? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's a single barrel and it's a weeded bourbon. And so, like, people like to, you know, pay a lot of money for these really rare whiskeys. And I'm not knocking Pappy, it's great sipping whiskey. But I'm telling you that bargains are out there you there just are so need many to look other alternatives yeah. so many other alternatives and so we do these blind comparatives like mm-hmm. we have little japanese silk that will drape over mm-hmm. the cart as we take it to the table and reveal these uh flights for people and so they won't know which one's the pappy and which one's the wyoming mm-hmm. and i've had people pick okay. this over pappy many mm-hmm. times because it's more robust like the thing about those old pappies they're great but they're very soft you could be paying a lot for a 23-year-old pappy. And what's happened in 23 years in a barrel is that it's mallowed a lot. And so to me, uh, I like a little more adventuresome kind of whiskeys. I don't want to pay $250 for something that's going to be really soft and mellow. I'd rather pay $7 for something that's really kind of got more grip and it's a little more intense. I like that fiery spirit of the single barrel as opposed to something that's mellowed out for 20 years. That's yeah, just my mm-hmm. personal power. A lot of people have this misconception that just um, the age statement on a bottle somehow means that it's like, I think they think they're like, oh, it's 20 years old. It must have these crazy flavors. And a lot of the time, they're just really mellowed out. And that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people like might get disappointed by, mm-hmm. perhaps. But yeah, yeah, no, more age doesn't necessarily mean more. Well, I mean, a lot of the times you can lose your alcohol content. Uh, we had, you know, Brendan come in yesterday from the Glenmorangie and we were talking about Ardbeg and he's like, actually use, you lose a lot of peat during that maturation process. So you're losing these key flavors um, that you might really enjoy in some younger expressions of your whiskeys. Um, so don't always be romanced by age statements, you know, like when I did the Hudson single barrel, I actually ended up choosing something that was less than two years old. You know, and it's just like people don't drink whiskey that young. And it's it was so exciting for me to try something that young. Typically, all the whiskeys that you drink are aged minimum of four years. Every single one of them that you've tried at least, I'm sure, at least has that age. Um, but this one was just a year and nine months. And it was incredible to see the how the grain had not completely been transformed by the barrel yet it was the integrity of the grain was still there it was a hundred percent rye and it was weird and it was like no other rye that I had tasted before and it was like tobacco and old books and like you know dust settling in a library like it was insane and I almost went with something even younger than that because it was really weird but one thing we have to consider when we're choosing these single barrels it's it's not a passion project for yourself because I mean if I were to choose these barrels alone for my own palate, it'd be something wildly different to what's going to be successful in our bar. So when we are choosing these single barrels, we have to have you and our customers and the people who come in on the regular in mind. Um, Not necessarily, it's like, oh, I like this whiskey because of this and this and that. It's like, I think a lot of people will like this whiskey because of these these reasons. And how much is the Wyoming whiskey base expression going to cost me in my local liquor store? I'd say just about the same price, about $35 to $40. The base expression. I know some of their other like uh, expressions, like the Outrider, those are going to cost you a little bit more. I'd say definitely over fifty, mm-hmm. um, depending on you know wh- what the market is where you are. 
But in California, we're pretty lucky. Most mm-hmm. of these Wyomings are going to be like anywhere in between the thirty-five to forty-five dollar range. And that's just the built-in advantage of buying American, right there. Is like you can pay a lot of money for single malt Scotch and Irish whiskey and Japanese whiskey, especially mm-hmm. because the export tax that the producers are paying to get it to us is so crazy high. It's mm-hmm. often over fifty percent. Yep. You're often paying more for tax transport than you are for the whiskey in the bottle. That's not unusual at all, although it sounds crazy. I really dug that Wyoming it's single so barrel. Good. It's, it's really like good. Really I, complex. It's I saw the shit out of that bottle. I pour it so much. We we're using it as our um it's our weekend old fashioned now. Ooh. Because we just you know it's so good. It stands up. And we got two barrels of it, so we've had it for a while and I feel like it's a gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Now, what I've done here is I just Poured grabbed... Poured liquid bananas in my glass. Yes, I grabbed <laughs> a bottle out of the well in the front bar, and that is the old number seven, Jack Daniels, baby. The beautiful Tennessee banana and charcoal, whiskey. the world's most famous Tennessee whiskey by far. And then we are going to compare it to the Bar Jackalope single barrel... Jack, Daniels, Jack Daniels is a gorgeous distillery as well. It's it's I really like this... The old number seven label really reminds me of the distillery itself, just because there's just so much, you know, mold growing around um, the distillery. So all the warehouses and all the trees look completely black. And, you know, they're just like, they're just standing like very kind of eerily in this like beautiful green like pastures, but these dense, dark black trees and black warehouses are sitting on there. And just every time I see that bottle of Jack Daniels number seven, it just it just reminds me of like that black label, just the, the black trees and the black warehouses. Yeah, there. It's, a, it's a sugar eating fungus that survives mm-hmm. in the rack houses and often is all around most, most distilleries, even on the neighboring houses. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I think over at Jim Beam, they have to actually pay to power wash the neighbors' houses because sometimes <laughs> the, the yeah. rack house gets on there. Yeah, I've noticed it at every single distillery in Kentucky that we went to, but I don't know, I don't know because of, I guess Jack Daniels how old it is, but there those trees look jet black. Like I've never seen a distillery with that much of that fungus on there. Because like when we went to Wild Turkey, I saw it up on all the rack houses and stuff, but in Tennessee, like all of the warehouses are just black. And I'm like, do you guys paint this? They're like, no, (laughs) it just looks like that. And the trees, every single inch of the tree is just completely blacked out. So let's get into just your base expression. Jack Daniels, old number seven. Oh, banana, banana cream pie. I'm, I'm actually really glad that you picked this for us to talk about because in a weird way, Jack Daniels, old number seven, is like the antithesis of a single barrel. I mean, there's so much of it out there and it's always consistent, which is pretty amazing in its own right. Well, the history of the Jack Daniels thing is they initially came out as like pure Tennessee whiskey. They were trying to position themselves because they used the maplewood charcoal filtration on their whiskey, which is different from bourbon. They wanted to position themselves differently, meaning they were making a really clean, trustable whiskey because mm-hmm. they filter it and they were making this in a time where there was kind of a lot of variance in the in the whiskey world. In America, they were trying to be like, oh, this is more of a premium style. We clean it up by filtering it. So that is the kind of the iconic Jack Daniels flavor profile, and it pairs amazingly with Coca-Cola. Bam. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Jack Daniels is a bourbon, except for that one step that they do, the mellowing process, they call it. Mm -hmm. It's essentially a big, big Brita filter at their distillery. (laughs) 
Um, it's about like nine to 10 feet tall and it's just layered with uh, maple wood charcoal and every single drop of Jack Daniels goes through that nine to 10 foot burrito filter I like to call it and that's yeah they sprinkle it <laughs> yeah so they, they, they sprinkle, sprinkle it, in, it yeah. and it slowly so seeps through it, so it's got like like four different lines coming out like drip drop drip drop just like slowly into that into that um mellowing process i think it's they said that it takes like about 48 hours for every single drop of whiskey to go through to get through to get through from the the top to the bottom yeah so Um, but like i think that 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 charcoal that you get bananas and charcoal is what i always get but like mm -hmm. when you put that charcoal in a glass with ice and some coca-cola on Mm -hmm. top you don't get the charcoal at all it Mm -hmm. somehow bonds with that caramel in the Mm coca-cola and becomes this beautiful rich effervescent totally refreshing whiskey cocktail oh yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely i'm not gonna lie i fucking love a jack and coke i drink jack and cokes all the time they're like stephanie what do you like to drink when you go i actually go like super simple i'm like i drink i'm lucky enough to be able to try so many amazing whiskeys but when i go out i want to do something classic something simple i go for a jack and coke and I totally romanticize Cuddy Sarkin sodas, mm. the lemon twist. <laughs> Very romantic. I like that. So now tap that over your tongue, and then we'll taste it next to our single barrel. And this is one that Evan, who used to be a bar, bar jack club man- manager, bar jack club manager, yes, and he chose this barrel and ha- asked them not to proof it down. So this is at one thirty-eight proof. It is insane. It's the hottest strong. thing we have in the bar. Uh, I know a lot of people might be asking, well, what about your Buffalo Trace Antique Collection stuff? And, you know, you're right. There are some expressions that are a little bit higher than that. But the some of the expressions, you know, come out at different, at different ABVs. But this is actually the hottest thing we have in the bar right now. But this regular number seven, it's like I said, it's like drinking liquefied mm-hmm. banana cream pie. So, such an easy So sipper. good. Crust, that, butter, cream, bananas. That Absolutely. filtration smooths oh. out the the mouthfeel as well. It's oh, just so really easy. easy to sip on. So just got a nice soft wave across your tongue. So now get into the single brow. What are you guys getting on the nose? Mm. Again, that char jumps right up yep. at you. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. aggressive nose. It's all and, barrel. It's oh, like yeah. you don't you don't get that banana note at all. No. And that higher alcohol content mm-hmm. pushes that flavor profile right up your nose. Mm-hmm. Really intense. But now tap it over your tongue because I'm already getting like coconut, like toasted coconut. Woo. Mm-hmm. That's that's the stuff. You could put that in front of someone who drank Jack Daniels old number seven every day and they would have no idea. That it was Jack Daniels. Exactly. It doesn't have the same kind of like, it's crazy. I mean, the thing about like making a consistent product, it's like, you know, you're batching, but you're also adding water. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's the master distiller's job. I mean, like once you once you add water to, to your whiskey, you can't take it out. So there's always kind of going to be this this um, this range going on there because you can add a couple drops of water and open something up beautifully. And then you add a couple more and you might start to release some flavors that you're not so fond of. But then you can keep adding more waters and kind of get to that balance where you want that consistent flavor. And Jack Daniels has mastered that, but the addition, the the lack of addition of water, the lack of water in this mm-hmm. is insane. To just taste the Jack Daniels mm-hmm. at its base without any water added, I feel for sure like that water is bringing out the banana notes from the yeast strain. But the lack of water here is just like very chocolatey. Mm-hmm. The oak is just singing in this. Um, it is not like the number seven at no, all. I get coconut and caramel. Um, like some nuttiness, like almond and cherry and lemon even, like I'm getting some crazy like, citrus. I'm getting deep, like maraschino, like cherries. 
cocoa nibs. Oh man, it's like very it's not prickly, but it, it lingers on your palate. It's like mm-hmm. all in the front it's all in the front of your tongue. Yeah, and again, it doesn't are, disappear like the number seven does. No, no this That's, is really, really up in your face for sure. I've got a long linger of like burnt honey and pepper. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this whiskey. It's really good. Yeah, it's definitely the best Jack Daniels that I've ever tasted. I mean, I'm really stoked with their whole new little single barrel line. Mm-hmm. That single barrel rye is delicious. Mm-hmm. It is really, really good. Yeah. And you're seeing single barrel programs pop up in more and more distillers. Even the small craft distilleries are jumping on and trying to offer people single barrels because there is that excitement of being able to choose it yourself and kind of mm-hmm. have a sense of ownership over yeah. what you're drinking because like, it's unique and there's nothing else like it in the world, you know? Yeah, and I mean, for the listeners who don't have, you know, don't live in Los Angeles or don't have the ability to, you know, try single barrels, I mean, it depends on which state you're in. I know Tennessee, I mean, like where they produce a lot of whiskeys that you you might find some single barrels behind the bar, but um, try to explore independent bottlings. Because independent bottlers essentially do the exact same thing that we're doing. They have these awesome relationships with distilleries. They go to these distilleries and they have samples that are available to them for purchase. So they are they do have access to these unicorn barrels. So things like, you know, the Scotch Whiskey Company and Single Cast Nation is one of our favorites here. Um, so they release expressions of whiskeys that you know and love, you know, but in a new light. They're unicorn barrels. There's limited bottlings of them. So when you go out, ask your bartender, do you have in, any independent bottlings behind your bar? It doesn't necessarily have to be a single barrel because at the end of the day, it's going to be the exact same concept. Um, so please, yeah, if you want to go out there and try a variation of a whiskey that you love and you know and love, try it in a new light. Ask for an independent bottling. And increasingly, because there are more single barrel programs out there, if you go to big liquor stores, a lot of those guys, like, I know that when we go and do these barrel buying tours, it's not a lot of other bars. Usually it's liquor, liquor stores, stores that are out there yeah. buying because they have much higher buying power than we do. People always think, oh, you work at that crazy whiskey bar. You must get super cheap whiskey. No, actually, we pay about the same price that you would pay at the liquor store. Mm-hmm. The liquor stores are the ones who get the big price breaks mm-hmm. because they're buying cases and cases and cases mm-hmm. at a time. As a bar, we don't have the storage to be able to buy mm-hmm. cases and cases and cases at a time. Nor would it be appropriate, you know, it, we just have to kind of like go bottle by bottle. Often we're buying two bottles at a time, yeah. three bottles at a time at the yeah. most, you know. Yeah. So, But you can occasionally at those good liquor stores find their own single barrels of bourbon. Yeah, and I would encourage you to go to your little liquor store. And if you're in a smaller town, that might be the easiest way to find a single barrel. There also are some expressions that are released, like the Four Roses has some single barrel offerings. Occasionally there are uh, Wild Turkey Kentucky Spirit, which is essentially wild turkey in its single barrel form. There's Blanton's, which Mm -hmm. is a single barrel bourbon that's should be able to find it nationally. So you have to look for it. Eagle Rare technically mm-hmm. doesn't always say it, but on the back of the label, it is single barrel. So yeah. then the trick there is that those producers are trying to keep that consistency. But when you buy a single barrel bourbon off the shelf, say a Blanton's or an Eagle Rare, it is going to vary slightly mm-hmm. case to case. You buy it and then go back to the liquor store six months later, it's going to be slightly different whiskey because mm-hmm. they're only bottling it from a single barrel. And they'll mm-hmm. try to keep that flavor profile consistent for the, the long-term fans. But each barrel is different, so you yeah. never know how yeah, it's Yeah, and be. it's true because, like, say, for example, us, like, we, we went to Four Roses and we tried that barrel, but they're not going to bottle it immediately. 
<laughs> so it's going to spend a little bit more time in that barrel and it's not going to change drastically, but it's always um, like when we went to Maker's Mark, they gave us a cast sample before our stay finishes. So when the barrel does come in or the bottle does, bottling does come in, we can compare it side by side. I mean, when we were at Four Roses, we weren't allowed to take any liquor from the, from the tasting room, unfortunately. But if you can sneak it and like compare it to what you actually get in your bottle, it is going to be slightly different. Um, you have to be prepared for that. Um, when I picked out my first single barrel last year at Hudson, I was shocked, you know, like when the bottle finally came in and I was like, wait a second. And I'm like, this doesn't taste completely like how I remembered it to be. And I was like, damn, I was just like, I had this flavor in mind this that I wanted to share with people, and this one's just a little bit different, and I don't know if it's going to be a misrepresentation of my palate and what I wanted to begin with. And I went into this weird spiral, and I'm like, oh, they're going to hate it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I ended up falling in love with it. I mean, the changes were very, were very small, but just because I drink so much whiskey, I can just, those changes are very evident to me. Um, but it's still something that people love. So that, that yeah, it'll it'll definitely change on you. When we get our single barrels, whenever they come in, they'll be slightly different from what we tasted the day, that day, for sure. And I've had your Hudson. You absolutely knocked it out of the park. So <laughs> Thank you. Fine. It makes a mean Manhattan oh as well. Oh, my gosh, if yes. You, if you so don't good. like the, the younger style, put a little of that makes a good Carpano Antica, too. a little yeah. bitters, mm -hmm. some citrus or mm -hmm. some cherry. Oh, yeah. You got a beautiful Solid. cocktail. Solid. Right on. So, Pedro, do you have any last thoughts about the single barrel and what our listeners can take away? Do you push them towards trying Alexander Murray over at uh, Trader Joe's because that's an independent bottling if that's the only thing they have? Yeah, or? I would say, you know, always be willing to experiment, but also try to find bargains. That's, you know, I always like... I, I do not like that feeling of regret when you kind of gamble. And if you can, when you go to, you know, different liquor stores, see if they'll if they have samples for you to try because it's always nice. I mean the beautiful thing about Bar Jack Lope, which is kind of a unique situation, is that we do these tasting flights. There's not that many bars across America that'll have offer you tasting portions of the whiskeys. But I think there's a great advantage to that because it allows you to explore the world of whiskey without having to break the bank. You can kind of like Decide what you like before you go for a full pour. And I, I think that the beautiful thing about these single barrels is they are still great bargains. We're not paying any export tax. They're just coming down the road from Kentucky or Tennessee or Wyoming or wherever they are. But it's going to be a good price for that huge flavor profile that comes from that more exposure of whiskey to wood that only happens in single barrel whiskeys. All right, then. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, Thank you. for sitting down. It's uh, it's very rare that we get to just the three of us talk about whiskey and <laughs> share a dram. So yeah. I just still want a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you a live audience right. next week, Pedro, right. I promise. All right. <laughs> but cheers to you guys. Cheers, cheers to everybody. you guys. Salute. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. This show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. 
And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.